In this episode, I talk with wheelchair pickleball player Joe Dowling and tournament director Jim Loving. Jim held the first regional pickleball tournament with a wheelchair division, and Joe was one of the participants. Joe discusses why pickleball is such a great sport for people with disabilities and the challenges in growing the sport for wheelchair players. So to hear more from Joe and Jim, let's get to the intro. Welcome to the Pickleball Fire Podcast, where it's all about pickleball. Today, I would like to welcome to the podcast, Jim Loving and Joe Dowling. Welcome, guys. Thank you, Lynn. Thank you. Jim, originally, I reached out to you to be on the podcast because I know you were kind of a catalyst for wheelchair pickleball. And I was just curious as to how you got that started. Lynn, it started about about two years, two and a half years ago. I'm in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And we have a lot of people come down for uh, snowbirds, including Canadians. And one of our Canadians that came down a few years before actually called me and told me that they were bringing a, a wheelchair player. And I wanted to know if he could play with us in our in our our venue, which is a private venue. He said, "Sure." He brought him in, and he amazed us with what his ability to play. He the guy was a, a used to be a tennis player. They got injured and now moved to pickleball, and has actually become a very strong pickleball player in a wheelchair. So he came down one year, and uh, we invited him. We all played with him. He played with against stand-up players, with stand-up players. Uh, it was amazing to to learn how how they could play. But then a year later, we set it up to where he had more players come down and play. And at the time, I was planning. I was planning the USA PA Mid Atlantic Regional to be held in. Myrtle Beach. And so we decided that we would have a wheelchair division. And it would be the first wheelchair division in a USA regional tournament. So we you know, we talked to the USA headquarters, Karen Parrish, and got her buy-in. We started reaching out, finding more players. I got Joe Dowling involved. And I can't remember exactly how we connected Joe, but we we found some other players that were some in Florida, some in Connecticut, Massachusetts, and we started building a little base of wheelchair players and, and getting them to sign up for our tournament. And we had that in 2019, is that right, Joe? 2019, we had yeah. the, uh, the first wheelchair division, and we only had eight at the time, eight players come down. Oh, I think it was six. We had two drop out at the last minute. But it was very interesting. Karen Parrish came down. It was We had a great time. The, I think the guys that came down, we had five guys and one woman that to play in the, in the tournament. And they all played in the same division. So as far as wheelchair is concerned, we didn't distinguish between gender. We just let them. And actually, at that time, we didn't, we didn't distinguish between skill sets either. So we basically allowed them to play in a wheelchair division against each other. And then what we also did was we allowed them to play in doubles and mixed doubles with stand-up player, with a stand-up partner. 
against stand-up players. And that was a, a first and a new experience for many players to get to play against wheelchair players. And that's, that's how we got involved. And from then, we, you know, through that experience, we had to review all the wheelchair rules that USAPA had in place, make some adjustments and recommend some adjustments. So we put a team together to review all the rules as it pertained to wheelchairs. And we made a recommendation the year later or that later that year for the next year for a whole bunch of changes to the wheelchair rules, which were just completely implemented in this past new rule book that came out. So that's how I've been involved. And then, Joe, let me ask you, how did you get involved in playing pickleball? I came to it about two and a half years ago. That's when I started playing. And I was invited to participate in the uh, U.S. Open in 2019 by some fellows that I knew who were playing in that Open in Florida. I played there and just thought, well, okay, I would continue to try to play in what at that time were pretty much stand-up events and try to help develop uh, more interest in wheelchair playing because there were only six of us who, who played down in that event. And lo and behold, one day I opened my email and there was an invitation from Jim and I guess he followed up almost immediately by calling me personally and asking me if I would like to participate in the event that he just described to you, the, the Mid-Atlantic event, which was a Mid-Atlantic championship. And of course, I jumped at the opportunity. It was a very gracious invitation. And from there, we... I think we we actually made quite a hit at that event, and people were generally very surprised and very receptive to us, which is one of the wonderful things about pickleball in general, is that the other players are very, very receptive and welcoming. So I, I made friends with Jim and some of the other players, including the woman who was my partner in the stand-up wheelchair combination at Jim's event and from there became an ambassador at USA Pickleball and in particular wanted to participate in helping develop the rules and to be one of the people who tried to cultivate and develop wheelchair participation. And shortly after that, we, we were invited to go down to South Carolina again and meet with the ambassadors and put on a clinic to show them all of the other ambassadors who were there what it was like to have wheelchair participation in their divisions and hopefully to create clinics throughout the country and except for the fact that COVID came in and interrupted that we're still hoping that that's going to be the way that it goes with 
USA Pickleball. Well, so yeah, that's, that's the short version. Yeah, well, it it sounds like you had a a lot of momentum. I mean, it's it's hopefully everything's going to get back on track later this year. I'm just curious, Joe, did you have you had quite an athletic background prior to pickleball, didn't you? Oh yes, yes. I I I have I've participated at the national and international level in a variety of sports, mostly wheelchair racing and hand cycling, and I've competed all over the world. But when I found tennis almost 40 years ago, and then subsequently pickleball, because I stopped playing tennis, I realized that pickleball is such a wonderful opportunity to raise the consciousness relative to disabled people and also, it is so good for socialization of people in wheelchairs from the point of view that they, they aren't generally willing to go out and participate in social events because there, there just doesn't seem to be an opportunity. But pickleball, I recognized immediately that this, this is an event that wheelchair players can participate on the same level and with the same people as stand-up players can. And even though wheelchair players may never rise to the competency level, they can get very competent at it, and therefore it can be a great social event for them and that's that's what appealed to me and that's what I think Jim recognized even though he didn't express it that way and so he opened it up for us and gave us a venue and that's where we want to go with it yeah I would appreciate it thank you for that Joe but I, I would think that's exactly true it's like it's one of the few sports that you know, we we've gone out and reached out to basketball, <clears throat> wheelchair basketball groups to to talk about starting to play pickleball. You know, and the interesting thing when you do that is you say, well, wheelchair basketball, for the most part, they're all in the wheelchair and other sports like that are like that. But if we're in pickleball, a wheelchair player can play on the same court with stand up players and compete and have a great time. I think that's one of the great things about it. Yeah, that that is that's exactly how how I see it too. And I think both Jim and I recognize that similarity in our attitudes, and that's why you know we've been so willing to work together to make that happen all over the place. And it's it's happening little by little. Here in Connecticut, we don't have as many venues as the southern states and the western warmer states, but I'm beginning to make contact with the East Haven group that plays up there, and I've contacted some of the uh, rehabilitation places and other wheelchair teams, and in the spring, when we start up again, for example, at Gaylord Hospital, I'm going to be, I'm already 
have been accepted on their team. And I'll go up and help develop the pickleball program up there. So it's slow, but mostly because of COVID. But it's, it's, it's going to be a big thing in the next few years, I'm sure of it. Well, it sounds like you're kind of poised for tremendous growth. We just need to get uh, get COVID taken care of. So what what's it like when you go out and, you know, do a clinic at one of the rehabilitation hospitals? What's what's the reaction to just even hearing about the the name of the sport, pickleball? A lot of people think that's <laughs> yeah, kind of well, odd. That's a very good question because, of course, it stimulates a lot of jocularity right off the bat. But once you get past that, that's true. And uh, once you get past that and have fun explaining the version of how pickleball got its name, it's it's just an easy thing to do. And putting on a clinic, if somebody says yes, I want to I want to take a shot at it. All you need to have is a tennis court, or even as you you say, you play in your driveway. You know, just get one of those portable nets, set it up someplace, and you've got all you need to have a clinic. You have a few paddles and a few balls, and that's it. So when I go, and I've only done one formal clinic at a rehab hospital here at Burke Rehabilitation in Westchester, they just invite all of the people that may be on their rehabilitation programs and they're in wheelchairs or stand up, they have traumatic brain injuries, any kind of disability. That's one of the beautiful things about the way Jim and I are trying to work to open this up is that it's very inclusionary. So deaf people, blind people, wheelchair people, anything, they just show up and you go through a very rudimentary program of showing them how to how the ball is supposed to be hit under the rules for service, give them a brief rundown on the scoring arrangement. And many of them have seen badminton playing and tennis playing. So it, it you get jump started right away and within an hour you're playing basic little games that, of course, don't last very long. The rallying isn't very competitive or very extensive, and there's not a lot of customary things like dinking and so on. But it's very easy to to set up a clinic, and we welcome any organization that wants to start it, especially with superannuated people, perhaps, in care facilities and so on. And that's that's the invitation that's open to everyone. So that's what I do. Well, great. I love how you promote the sport. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have, you know, both of you on the on the podcast. Any sense at this time, you know, about how many wheelchair pickleball players there are? There are none. <laughs> In Connecticut, there's me and one other person in Stanford, and as you know, Stanford is right next to Greenwich where I play. When I played up in New Britain at the Connecticut Pickleball Open, I guess in 2019 as well, 
I was the only one who signed up and, and it was very difficult because of the facility itself to accommodate me. And that's the, that's the main problem is that people get frantic about accommodating the wheelchair players, you know, with our litigious society and, and people being so cautious about it. They're worried that there's going to be potential injuries of other players. You know, people imagine a pickleball doubles game and a, and a wheelchair being part of it, running over people and things like that. But of course, that's a little naive. And it's generally from people who don't or haven't ever seen a tennis competition. So to answer your question in a short version, I only know of two players in Connecticut. And I don't even know the other guy because I've never, I've never met him. I just heard that he exists. Yeah, it's it's kind of hard to even when we started, we you know we got Joe, and we we got some people down in the Cape Cod that there's a couple people there, and they said, oh, we know this other guy, and so we got hold of Joe, and and then there's some, oh, we know somebody down in uh, Naples, and <laughs> so. Slowly but surely, you have to build this this database, if you will, of, of potential players, which we've done. But it's not extensive, and I think it's it's not that there are not a lot of wheelchair people that could play. It's probably getting the message out to people in wheelchairs that they can play, and getting them up to speed and seeing what they can do. And once we do that, I think then it'll grow. Yeah, the, I, I do play tennis at the National Tennis Center here in New York, the Billie Jean King Center. And there's a wheelchair team, tennis team that I play on. And frankly, it's been very difficult to try to convert them to pickleball players. But I did have one experience. I talked the tennis center into having an exhibition with wheelchair players. And I was, again, the only one who participated because all of my colleagues on the tennis team just, no, nah, no, nah, we can't stand the sound of the ball. And, you know, they have a million excuses. But that was the beginning. And then again, there was a, this interruption that existed. But the people that I played with were all stand-up players and they were really fascinated and they loved playing with me. They really enjoyed it. Not because I'm such a sparkling personality, but because they enjoyed my approach to the game and they enjoyed the fact that I could play at least well enough to be on the same court as them. So I think it just opened up another avenue for them. And of course, every single one of them know somebody who's disabled in some way. So that's the opportunity that I was looking for to expose the game to them. And they could go back and say, hey, gee whiz, you know, I saw this guy and he did this and he did that. Why don't you come on out with me and we'll, we'll start you playing. So that's the hope. Yeah. And what is your approach to the game, Joe? Well, it's pretty conventional. I 
I believe that all wheelchair players should be treated just the same as any other player. In fact, that's the way we, Jim and I are directing the rules so that even though there's a, a concession that wheelchair players get two bounces, I, I see it as a concession. I think eventually my goal is to abandon that. Wheelchair players will play under all the same rules and they'll be subject to the same rating program that stand-up players are. And so it'll just be, you sign up and the fact that you show up in a wheelchair is just the same thing as somebody shows up in orange ten, tennis shoes or, or whatever. And so my approach is that I adapt the, the style of playing to my own abilities which is pretty much the same thing that every stand-up player does. You know, some people are fast on the court. Some people are slow. Some people are great at serving. Some people are great at slamming, you know, the same thing. And my approach to it, as you inquire, is, is that I try to understand what my capabilities are and play the best way I can within my own physical capabilities, including the fact that sometimes I, I can't get to a ball as fast as another player, or I can't get to overheads or lobs as they're called as easily, and try to adapt my game so that I don't expose my vulnerabilities to my opponents the very same way that most stand-up players do. And so that makes it when people show up and see me as their partner or as their opponent, they just do the same thing. They figure out how they're going to protect their vulnerabilities and attack my weak parts. And that's what makes it fun. And that's what makes it socially integrating. And that's what makes it so challenging for me. And I, and hopefully, I provide a good challenge for the people who choose to play with me. And so, so Joe, when's your next tournament? Well, right at the moment, Jim's, because Jim has already expressed the intention to have his tournament open again in August, but I'm hoping that this tentative approach to the April tournament in Naples will be my next one. And I'm frankly, I'm a little concerned about it because by that time, I don't know if I will have had ample time to recapture <laughs> some of my, <laughs> my abilities having had this hiatus. So, but that's, that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I could just add to what Joe said. I think partly because we're sort of known as from the USAPA side about people that are giving recommendations and have, we have a little committee that we talk about different rules, et cetera. We're getting asked questions by the USAPA when they get questions from people of many disabilities. And sometimes they're in wheelchair and sometimes they're not. I mean, I was asked, 
about the the question about somebody that wanted to play uh, pickleball and, with a cane while he's playing. And so they came to us, and so we started talking about it. And you know, we just included it in our conversation and say, "Well, how, how would this work?" And is it an issue and so forth? And I don't think we've solved that one, Joe. We got to meet on that. But he he was expressing some of the same things. He said, "I just want to be treated as a regular player." And he experiences when he goes out there. Sometimes people look down on him and said, "Oh, he's got a cane. I can't. I don't want to play against him. He can't do much." But in in the end, he'll he'll beat them. <laughs> so uh, so we want everybody just to play and play to your abilities and. Whatever that is, that's what you are, right? And we want to eliminate, we'll make sure the rules really not, you know, when we first got involved, there were a lot of rules that were around wheelchairs at the time because I think the only thing they had in USA Pickleball rules outside the normal rules were wheelchair rules. And so we went through those, and there were some in there that we said, no, we don't need these. Get rid of this. You know, we've got the two bounce basically is it. Then there's some other things that they put in there. We said, get rid of those. We don't need those. The wheelchair players want to play just like other players. So, yeah. And if you get timid, then you don't play 4 0 and 5 0 players. You play to your level. Like I'm, I'm ranked three to three, three point two five. So if I'm unwilling to, play with a 4-0 player for fear of getting beat, then I don't do it. And if a 4-0 player sees me ranked as a 3.25 and he says, yeah, I don't want to waste my time playing with that level of a player. Well, he does, but the evaluation is on the basis of my ability, not my disability. And that's, that's the important thing to me because to raise the consciousness of, of people means for them to look at another human being based on their perception of their ability, not their disability. And we've, we're trying to incorporate that in the rules. And we've been very successful with that. The USAPA has been very open to our suggestions. And you know, I think that if we introduce new players with that mindset, it'll, it'll get more and more profound. I think we're we're making inroads with the the Canadian players who Jim mentioned right at the outset. The that player that Jim was talking about, he's a very very good player, and and you know he doesn't hesitate to play anybody at any level, and he can hold his own with with most players, and that's what we want to see happen. That's what I want to see happen. That players will go out and hold their own and feel good about their participation, not like they're cultivated as, you know, a weak cousin or something like that. Right. They uh, sort of along that is like we have since we started this, we've had a wheelchair division where only wheelchair players and. We built that, I think, as I say, well, that, that's an introduction to get wheelchair players playing, to let them play with other wheelchair players. But at the same time, we said we want them to play as stand-up players, so we allow them to play in the other double events. I think over time, it could mean that we don't need a wheelchair division 
at all. They just play just like the other divisions, you know, mixed up men's doubles and women's doubles, mixed doubles with whatever partner they want. No, that's my hope. I, I participate in many sports that have just wheelchairs participating against wheelchairs. Yeah. And and that's that's okay. That's fun. I've enjoyed it for 40 years. But that's not the end of the world. And this this pickleball, as I expressed earlier, is a great opportunity to open it up just the way Jim just described. And that's what I'd like to see happen. All right. And I love what you guys are doing and, and what your vision is. Just to finish up, if somebody wants to get in contact with either one of you, Jim and Joe, where's the best place to reach out? Well, for me, they can use this phone number that you see, and you're welcome to put it on your podcast if you want. You have my email address. That is probably the best way because I I check my email and, and respond to my email every single day, multiple times. Or they can go through the U.S. Pickleball and get the contact information there. Uh, for me, I'm a co-director of the USA Pickleball Mid-Atlantic region. You can reach me at jloving at usapickleball.org. All right. Well, great, guys. I really appreciate you joining the podcast today and sharing this and talking about your vision. Well, Lynn, thank you so much for taking it on yourself to to consider doing this and then actually carrying through with it. It's It's really great that there are people like you who are willing to open this up for the rest of the world. Thanks. And I also want to thank you for spreading the word and helping us get the message out. And if any tournament director wants to talk to me about how to incorporate wheelchair into their tournaments, feel free to let me know and uh, we'll help you help you organize it. There are uh, a couple of little things you have to think about because you're introducing a new division, wheelchair division, which could complicate your schedule a little. But other than that, we can make it happen. All right. Well, thanks again. All right. Thanks, Lynn. Thank you, Lynn. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Pickleball Fire podcast. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to give it a five-star review on Apple iTunes.